Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I am very grateful that you are here with us today. I'm super excited about another podcast discovery call. These are a little insight into the consultations I do with clients. Anyone can book these. They're a 45-minute discovery call. Obviously, we go over 45 minutes. And at the end of them, you get clues into why you're dealing with fertility issues, why other methods might not have worked for you in the past, clear steps on what your next direction might be, a conversation centered totally around you. And if you're really looking for a health coach, if I'm the right fit for you, um, at the end of this, you also get a personal mini action plan emailed to you with clickable, actionable steps that you can start taking today. And bonus for those who book in, you also, if you decide, hey, I really want to become a Finding Fertility family member, your price that you paid for this discovery call actually gets taken off of either the one-to-one coaching package or the fully open formula group coaching program. So without further ado, let's get into today's call. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story. I know that um, this is going to help at least one person because there's definitely one person doing the, you know, dealing with the same issue that you are. So why don't you tell us just, let's start with your fertility journey to start there. Sure. Thanks for having me. This is kind of a unique, special thing. So I appreciate it. Um, so I'm 35. I've never been pregnant. I have a husband who has, we've been married for two years now. He has two daughters. They're 13 and nine. So I'm a stepmom who is going through fertility issues myself. And just last August, so a year ago now, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Mm -hmm. And that was 10 months into our trying to conceive journey. And I didn't quite know if we were doing something wrong or what the deal was, I'd been on hormonal birth control for gosh knows how many years before that. So um, I wasn't sure if it was taking too long to get off of that stuff or who knows. And I was um, uh, a year into our newlywed, you know, marriage and he already had two daughters and I'm just like trying to do our thing. And then finally I was like, okay, I'm turning 35 in one month. This is last year. We've been at it for 10 months. Like, what can I do? So I go to my doctor and then they do a couple tests and they're like, oh yeah, you have PCOS. And I'm like, oh, what's that? I'm 34. What does that mean for me? What's my outlook? 
And then um, I learned that I wasn't really ovulating and my cycles were like 59 days and the next one was 25 days and the next one was 19 and then I was at 42 and it was just highly irregular. But I had been on birth control for so long that I didn't know if that was being masked or how long was it being masked for because this just doesn't happen overnight. So it's kind of like a puzzle from the get-go. So since um, then in October of last year, they, I met with a different like woman's health specialist through my doctor and they prescribed me metformin and I didn't really know much about that. And I'm like, what does that do for you? Um, what, and they said, you know, it helps with ovary function. I was like, you know what, I'm trying to get pregnant. So that's what I need. And they did caution me and said, Hey, people have had bad experiences with like gastro stuff or, you know, bathroom. And I was like, you know what, I'll try it. I've never really gotten sick or, you know, have a pretty good immune system, whatever you mean. And I've, I've been on it twice a day since then. And I've never really had like the bloating or the bathroom issues. So I learned that I have like the extended release one. So I guess that's helpful. Um, but then in, I'd say December, I started taking inositol. I take Ovacetol, the supplement as well. And I feel like that's really helped my cycles since January be more regular anywhere between 31 and 35 days. But then in this calendar year, I've taken, I've tried um, Clomid three different times to help induce ovulation, um, going up a dosage every time. We took every other cycle off because I didn't want to overwhelm myself. I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, and that was, I was hopeful, you know, the mid-cycle appointments were um, positive. We were monitoring in, in the middle of the cycle. I'd go in for an ultrasound and they'd show me what um, I was producing and blah, blah, blah. And it seemed good every time, but then nothing ever worked. So we were told that we were timing everything right, but it just didn't stick, didn't work, whatever. So that's kind of where we're at now. Okay. Why were you put on birth control or why did you start taking it? Um, I probably back in high school or college, just, it was a thing to do. Everyone was doing it just to be safe. And that's just what everyone did. And so that's yeah. what I did. Okay. So no, like, um, no, like specific issues that your doctor was like, here, take birth no. control. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the thing about birth control is that, um, it does, it's like a bandaid for a lot of things. So even if you don't get on it for a specific reason, um, it's obviously controlling your cycles. Right. And so, um, if you start developing, like you've, oh, like you're genetically prone to PCOS, right? Like you didn't just magically get it. Um, but say your diet and your lifestyle throughout the years, uh, started, you started showing symptoms of PCOS, the birth control would have masked that you wouldn't be able to have, have seen it. Um, the birth control didn't cause PCOS. It was just like keeping it quiet, keeping it sneaky. Right. Um, so that's one of the big issues with birth control is that like your body will start showing you like signs that it's not happy um, well before, you know, maybe you're even ready to start conceive or trying to st- trying to start conceiving, um, that's a mouthful. Um, and so, yeah. Okay. So birth control just because, and so you've been on it for like 15 plus years then, 
like a I mean I would say I probably started in high school maybe you know around 18 maybe even college 19 years old and then I was on it probably for at least 10 years yeah yep okay um so I think the second supplement that you said, is that the powder um, supplement? Yeah. Yep. Ovacetol is the brand that I take. Yeah. So that's really good for PCOS and managing that. Um, okay. So outside of irregular cycles, what would you say is your biggest health complaint? Um, just like the trying to conceive part. I, I, when I was in, when I was a child myself and I had a younger sister, I have a younger brother. Like I always knew I wanted to be a mom. And so I'm like, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a mom. And I can't wait for this. I can't wait for that. So just going through the struggle mm -hmm. of not fulfilling that dream per se is just like the biggest question mark, disappointment, confusion. Like, why can't I just do what seems to be so simple for everyone else? And it's not happening for me. So just the fertility aspect of just yeah 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 obviously that is a, is a big mind trip for sure because you look pretty healthy to me right you're obviously athletic yeah one of the things that maybe thinking back about my um cycles in the past you know I was always active I did volleyball track and field I was a division one athlete in college so I'm like okay, maybe my cycles were irregular, but I chalked it up to being an athlete. Like, oh yeah, I work hard. I lift weights, da, da, da. Like, that's just what happens to athletes. So like, I can't pinpoint a time frame, but maybe, you know, back in my college days before I really went on birth control, maybe it was already showing through and I didn't, I didn't realize it. I didn't make that connection yet because I just, oh, I'm active. I'm working out, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a, a huge, huge thing, especially when you're dealing with PCOS or if you have, you know, the genetic, um, you know, uh, framework for yeah. PCOS is that um, there is a woman, I'll get the book in a second. There is a woman called Claire uh, Goodwin. She's from New Zealand. She was, um, they don't call it division one, but she was like an elite athlete in New Zealand. And she had PCOS. Uh, she's a registered dietitian over there or nutritionist, not dietitian. And she was doing all the things right, right? Like she was working hard, like, you know, doing the athletics. And she was on this like diet that you had to be on during athletics. And she actually made her PCS worse. And she was like close to being type, uh, type two diabetic. Right. So when that was happening and because she like has that study brain, she's like, okay, I need to, this is not working. What you're saying I should be doing is, is making me worse. So, um, that probably that lifestyle probably triggered something to go, okay, <laughs> this is not working for us, but because we're not trained to watch these signs and you know what, sometimes we don't even want to see them. We want to be an athlete, right? We want to be that person. So I'll take that hit right now. But when we don't have the knowledge to recover after that hit, right? Like it's not for a lot of people, they can take that hit and then go, okay, now I have to start living a different lifestyle to regain my fertility back because now I want to be fertile where your body back then was like, you didn't care about fertility, right? 
Um, and unfortunately for women, when you're over exhausting other areas in your body to perform at a certain level, your fertility is the first thing that's going to shut down because your body's like, well, I can't do all of this. You want me to perform here? I'm not going to perform there. So we're going to shut it down. And that's where irregular cycles come from. That's where like hormone issues come from. And then especially if you're dealing with PCOS, it just makes it worse. Do you know what type of PCOS, PCOS you have? Um, I think more of the insulin resistant and um, like stress or um, adrenal maybe, but yeah. like it's never been, my doctors haven't ever um, specified that they just, you know, I, in my research of metformin that goes with insulin, you know, so I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, maybe it is just an insulin thing or in my PCOS research on my own, just like a lot of PCOS people have insulin resistance anyway. So it kind of is the first thing to try to target. I've also yeah. seen cutting out like gluten and dairy and I haven't tried that, but I've been more aware of like, okay, gluten-free or change my noodles up to gluten-free stuff or, you know, try to get gluten-free, whatever, as if I think of it in the store without being like, oh, I'm going to buy that and waste it and throw it out. Let's not do that. Yeah. I'm trying to be more like aware of the nutrients I'm giving myself, especially because in my research also like high protein breakfast to start off your day, I think has been in since May, I've been trying that out. I've, I've noticed I feel better if I start out with more yeah. protein in my, in my breakfast. I've already always had a protein shake, like 20, 20 grams of protein on my way to work, but like doubling the protein I've added in more ingredients to help. And like, it seemed to help me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, in regards to diet, it's really about finding your food intolerances. So if you have a gluten or a, I mean, dairy is a big one for people with PCOS. For some reason, it just happens to be, um, if you have an intolerance to those, so not like an allergy, but just an intolerance that probably won't show up on like the common food sensitivity tests. Um, it's just super important to be like a hundred percent with it. Right. Like, especially when you're trying to um, heal, this is what I call the healing phase. So you're trying to reconnect things. So the 2080 kind of mentality when it comes to food intolerances during your healing phase, just it just prolongs your journey. Right. Like not that it won't work, but with fertility, we're already time poor or we feel time poor. You're not time poor that came out wrong. You are not time poor. You got all the time in the world, but we feel time poor. So to speed up the process, it's kind of like, all right, you've got to be pretty stingent with what you're doing in your food, because that is, um, it's, it's like the number one thing that's affecting what's going on in your body, right? Like, okay, your toxins are going to be a, a big issue if you have a lot of environmental toxins, but your diet is literally three times a day, you know? So you have to think of like every time you eat and not get hung up, like you have to be perfect, but this is an area that's tangible that you can control. And the more that you're able to set in those like regimes set in those, like, okay, this is how I'm going to live my life for four months. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get there. And then you can start playing around either after you achieve your ultimate goal 
or if you really did an amazing work in your healing phase, and then you can be a little bit more like forgiving with yourself. Um, so it's definitely going to be in your, your benefit to, um, even discover if gluten is an issue for you or dairy and, um, say if it's not right, say if you're not intolerant to gluten, you'll still want to be very cautious of the type of gluten that you eat, because I, I believe that it's actually not the gluten that's causing a lot of people issues. It's all the other shit that's in the gluten, or it's the way that the gluten has been processed, right? We have this like super hyper fast yeast process where most of the gluten that our ancestors ate was very slow fermenting. And like, for some people that was like their diet, right? It was like gluten and beer or like bread and beer, right? So it's not actually the gluten that is at fault. It's the type of gluten. And I know that I can eat a really high quality sourdough with absolutely zero issues. You give me Wonder Bread, I will stink the house out within two hours, right? So there's a difference of the type of gluten. And I would even go to say dairy as well is the same thing. So if you can invest in high quality dairy stuff, if you don't have an intolerance to it, um, you can still enjoy, you know, the cheeses and the the milk and all that. Um, I know there's really good um, other products like I've been using goat's milk um, for a really long time and goat's cheese and then introducing a little bit of the high quality dairy into my diet. But um, so those are things that you need to think about when it comes to your diet. Maybe you don't have to be super restrictive, but you have to be conscious of the quality that's involved in these foods. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. And I even think like little things like I used to get yogurt every now and then, but recently I switched to Greek yogurt. And I, I think that's more helpful because for me personally, it has more protein, but it's still, my mind still thinks it's like a treat kind of. So it's like, okay, let's have a little Greek yogurt with some fruit. And it's still like, I don't ever feel like sick off a of dairy or anything, but I think like making those switches to like almost tr like trick my brain almost mm -hmm. because of, like I said, I'm 35 years old. I've lived a certain way my whole life. And it's like, to make these changes, I have to kind of convince myself of just more than the bigger picture, like to get me through the day to day. Yeah. It's the tangible stuff, right? Like the bigger picture, it's so hard to grasp onto. And especially when you're dealing with issues and you're focusing on, you're always, if you're focusing on pregnancy being your number one goal, you're going to feel like you're losing all the time. Every month you failed, right? So it's bringing those back down. So it's going back into like more of the common and normal health issues that we're dealing with. Is there anything that you could put your finger on that like, maybe not even daily, but like at least weekly you deal with that is a little bit annoying? Um, sometimes I feel like I don't have enough time in the day to get everything that I want done, like accomplished. So I think even like lifestyle wise, like not putting so much pressure or stress on myself to get my whole checklist done today, right now. Yeah. <laughs> has a struggle, a challenge to, to help me. But this, like I said, I'm a teacher this school year, I've kind of slowed down. Like, okay, if I don't get these quizzes graded tonight, my sixth graders are not going to care. It's okay. Like I can do it this weekend or I can do it next week, or I could do it 
one class at a time because I teach a couple of different classes and I've been trying to even like retrain my thinking yeah slow down too are you like a self-diagnosed type a um probably and I think I like even you know I'm such a planner I'm organized everything and then I just I think that's kind of gone into the high stress of everything and I've just been like nope slow it down you don't have to do that it's okay like relax a little bit yeah I mean, it's the cliche of people telling us just relax and you'll get pregnant. But the the truth of the matter is, is that most of us dealing with fertility issues are so high strung, so type A planners, doers. And so when we start dealing with fertility issues, not only are we still doing everything and now we're like planning our fertility journey as well. So the appointments, the doctors, the diet, the lifestyle, the toxins, you know, like the yoga, like we've got to get everything. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I have this one-on-one client a few weeks ago that I told her, I was like, can you please shred your to-do list? Like it's literally making you more infertile. I know everything on that to-do list has to do with fertility, but you are stressing yourself out. And what also you're doing is like, you're literally just taking things off. I did my meditation. I did this. I did that. I did that. So now I'm going to be like fertile and you're just rushing through this healing process, which you have to let go and you have to surrender. Right. And so it's finding those little steps in your normal day-to-day life that you can slowly let go of. Like, as, as, as I'm sure as you know, it's been hard. It's not like you can wake up the, in the morning and just go, yep, I'm done. And that's why I feel like diet, once you kind of get that out of the way, once you feel like you have committed to the diet that's going to work for you, um, you can start focusing on the things that are actually a lot harder. Sitting with yourself mentally and emotionally is like some of the biggest, hardest work that you'll have to do um, not necessarily to get pregnant, but to help you, uh, rebuild habits that are going to contribute to healing and your ultimate goal. Right. Um, how's the relationship with the stepkids? Good. Um, they're both girls. So we get along, you know, girly things. Um, they only come to us every other weekend. Okay. So we don't see them, you know, very often. And then um, sometimes things come up school-wise for them that maybe they would fall on our weekend that they would either come a little later, like a day later or come a little less or not at all or whatever. So like one, the older one had a two week stay away camp this summer. So she missed out on a weekend here just because you can't really, yeah, you know, priorities or whatever, but it kind of just sucks basically at that point because we don't really get that time back because their mom doesn't really offer it up but we just take what we can when we can and we try to stay consistent and just you know enjoy doing things together that they like they like the outdoors we like to go camping um they play soccer so we go watch soccer sometimes and um they know that we're trying to get pregnant and um the younger one sometimes like jokes with me like oh you don't need a baby. You already have two of us. And I'm like, oh, you're so sweet. Like, I'm glad that <laughs> she looks at me um, as a mother figure. And like, she's like, you're my stepmom. You already have two of us. I'm like, oh, you're so sweet. So those little endearing moments, like make it worth it when they're here, but it's still like, oh, bless your heart. 
before yeah <laughs> yeah um does that make you feel guilty for wanting your own kids no I think sometimes I feel misunderstood by my husband because he already has two kids mm -hmm. and although they are you know they're never married they were just in a relationship whatever um he already has two kids so he's gone through everything with her and blah 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 and like I've never had any of that so it's like he's even he's like okay, relax. Just did it. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. You already have two kids. You don't understand me. <laughs> so sometimes I just feel like even from my own husband, I just feel like misunderstood or even alone sometimes, or kind of just like, why is it just me? He doesn't even understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, know that it's valid that you want to extend your family right? I get a lot of women dealing with secondary infertility and they always feel almost guilty that their living kids aren't necessarily enough and people don't understand it, but you have to realize that your, your heart desires what you were, you know, intended to create. And we just have to figure out on a physical level how we can help support that right so so always keep that in your mind that if you're feeling alone or feeling like people don't understand you um that that's okay because they're on their different their completely different journey and that it's okay to hold in your heart what you want and um you know I talk about how hope is the driver of change so if you keep that hope in your heart of building your family to what you um, are opening to envision, you know, like I know a lot of us are like, we want one girl, one boy, or like this perfect little thing. And you just have to be open to, you know, what the universe is like, like, this is, this is really what you were meant for. Um, holding on to that hope helps you make those big changes that you need. Are you still pretty physically active? Would you say that you overdo it? Um, I do about three days a week of like one day lower, one day cardio, one day upper. And then the rest of the week, those are about 45 minute workouts. The rest of the week, I'd say I try to go for 20 to 30 to 60 minute walks with my dog. Okay. So I'm not overdoing it. Um, definitely. I used to do more cardio, I'd say on the treadmill at my gym and then I'm like, I don't even like running. Why am I doing this <laughs> on the machine? So like in January, I started the three-day at-home program on this app that I use. And it seemed to like help me better mentally. And like even physically, I noticed that was helpful. And like, I think and then in my PCOS research, you know, I've seen um, low impact, slow workouts and things like that. I'm like, okay, well, that's what I've been doing. So good. I'm glad I made that switch without even realizing it's potentially good for people with PCOS. Yeah. So uh, the scientific reason behind that is because of your adrenals. So when you work out really hard, your adrenals have to recover. And so when you're working out really hard, you're stressing out really hard, you're lifing out really hard. And now your infertility working, you know, like your adrenals are just getting whacked and whacked and whacked. And so um, that's going to affect all your hormones, um, your thyroid health. They're all in play together. 
So it's really important. That's great. You've already shifted to that. What else um, slow and uh, low impact workouts do? Um, it makes you sit in your mind more too, right? So when you're doing high impact, you're kind of just like all focused and you're not thinking, of, you know, you're running away from the tiger. Your body's like, okay, I don't have time to, you know, ponder or philosophize about things where the slow impact or like the low impact and the slow workouts, your mind starts racing and you start wondering, you maybe start ruminating. And that's why a lot of people who are maybe used to high impact workouts or are type A um, don't really connect with the slowness because one, you don't feel like your body gets the workout that you're desiring. And two, you have to sit with your thoughts, right? Your mental and emotional. So um, when you're doing the slow activities, you're actually working your mind as well. Like you're going to start retraining your mind and not be so reactive, not sit in your head so much, right? So let's just say like you start taking up yoga for 45 minutes twice a week. In the beginning, it's going to be so tedious. It's going to be like, I'm not doing enough. I start thinking about this. So I got to grade those papers, you know, and then the more you set those attentions to get out of your head, you're, um, you're actually retraining your brain, which is going to help you in the day to day, um, high anxiety, um, spaces that we live, right. We're, we're not going to quit our jobs. Maybe we can't quit some of the family members that drive us crazy, you know, those types of things. So that type of brain workout is going to help support you in those other areas and just give your adrenals and your whole endocrine system, your vega nerve, that's just really going to help calm everything down and really decrease the symptoms of PCOS as well. Yeah, I think back in 2018, it was, I started doing yoga, like on the weekends, like Saturday, Sunday morning. Um, I found this girl on YouTube, Yoga with Adrian, and I yeah. just really connected with her. I liked her. And then every January, she does a January 30 day challenge or 30 days of yoga. So I, I, on occasion, I do do some yoga. I haven't this summer really on the weekends. Cause like sometimes every day is the weekend. So <laughs> I haven't done yoga in a few, maybe month or two, but I, I like yoga too, just to slow myself down and really work on not only just the mind part of it, but like, I feel like it's, I like the stretching aspect of it too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you think there's anything else in your life that you would feel would, you would benefit from improving? I know the biggest part is the nutrition because even going back to my childhood, you know, a teenage and then young adult, like I love sugar mm -hmm. and I always had such a sweet tooth and I would go for the candy bar or, you know, Halloween and Easter candy and like everything. And like, then in my research of research of PCOS, I'm like, oh, wow. Yep. Sugar. Got it. Yeah. That's me. So <laughs> like, I feel almost bad that I was doing that to myself without knowing what I was doing like to my yeah. future self, if that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of us though. I mean, you can't blame, like you can't beat ourselves up. That's just not the society we grew up in. You know, like I, I literally freaking, I was infertile at 17. Like I destroyed myself with the food that was in my house. Right. My mom thought she was doing good by bringing in just the 
Kellogg's cornflakes and not Frosties. And shit, we used to get the white sugar out and probably pour more sugar on the Kellogg's cornflakes than Frosties ever had, right? So that's just the way we grew up. So um, I think the cool thing is, is that your body responds to your cellular health. So once you figure out how to improve your cellular health in the various different ways, which includes the mental and emotional, um, the environment and the diet, you can restore, right? Like it does not sound like you've fallen off a cliff because for a lot of people, you get to 35, 40, 45, and you've just had those extra years to really just fall off the cliff and like there is a certain point where people just can't recover, right? They'll need the medical support to, you know, get where they need to go. But it doesn't really sound like um, that you're there. So that's really good news. Um, Another big thing with me is like my sleep. Like every year I say, okay, I need to get in bed before 10 p.m. so that I can sleep until my alarm goes off at 6.45. And then, especially on a school night, and everyone's like, how are you still awake? It's 1030. It's 11 o'clock. Go to bed. I'm like, I don't know. I literally just like, I tell myself to do it and then I can't do it. So like, that's another thing I've been every, literally the past five to 10 years, every new year's Eve resolution time. I'm like, okay, sleep. I'm going to get better at my sleep. Like I remember in college, I could sleep no problem. But then once I turned like 25 or so, I don't know if it's just like, being a true adult with a job and more responsibilities and everything. I just, I wouldn't say I have sleep issues. I just don't sleep great. Like I wish I could, my sister's like, Oh, I'm in bed by nine 30. I'm like, I wish I could do that. How do you do that? Teach me. So why aren't you then like what keeps you up? Yeah. Sometimes I just feel like, okay, if I accomplish one more thing on that checklist, I can get it. You know, I can feel better because I'll have less to do tomorrow. So like I said earlier, I was trying to work on that and sometimes I'm just like, okay, I'll watch one more show. I can get, it's done by 10, 15. And then I can go shower. Oh, I'm still in bed by 11. And then I just like lollygag or I sit and I like play with my dog or I start getting ready for the next day. Like I pick out my clothes and then I make my lunch and I'm like, oh shoot, it's 11, 15. I should have done this three hours ago. Do you have a busy, um, like early evening regime that doesn't allow you to do those things? Um, in the fall, I also coach volleyball. So I teach all day and then volleyball practice goes till about five 30. So then by the time I get home, I either try to do a workout first and then eat dinner or eat dinner and then work out. And so by then it's already, I'm like, shoot, it's already eight o'clock. Like where did my evening go? I didn't even do anything for myself. Um, and then twice a week we have like volleyball matches that take up the whole night. You're not even done until 9 PM anyway. So on like game days, we live sometimes remotely. So our, our travel time's like an hour or so away. So I don't even get home till 11 PM. Some, not every time, but you know, once or twice or three times a season, you know, okay, we're going here. It's a long one tonight. We're not going to get home till 11. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like, as a coach, that's what you know you're getting into. So even now my husband's like, okay, you've been at this for how many years? 10 years. Like, are you done with it yet? Are you going to shift your priorities? I'm like, I still feel young. Like I feel like I'm still in my twenties and I can still do this. And I don't have my own child yet that I would slow down for. And like I said, his daughters only come every other weekend. So it's not like, yeah, 
they're not here during the week. They don't, we don't do school with them. So it's like, I still feel like I have the time and the energy to give myself to the sports that gave me so much as a kid. So that's like, but uh, essentially cutting into my own life, especially in the evenings. Yeah. Do you think the joy that it brings you outweighs maybe the time or physical elements that it's taking away from you? Right. Like my, my husband's got me thinking like, is it still worth it? Like, is the chaos, is your stress level, especially in the fall with the new school year, new kids every year, like, is it still worth it? And I'm like, okay, maybe I can start to see what you're saying, but I, I think so. I think it is like, I don't feel like it's not. So I'll just keep, keep at it. That's all I know is school coach, school coach. So like in my mind, maybe, maybe this is subconscious. Maybe I had a goal for myself and I was like, something like, as soon as you become a mom, you can stop coaching because that's just, you know, you make time for your family, you prioritize things differently. So maybe because I haven't gotten there yet, it's like, okay, coach again, coach again, coach again. So I don't know if it's like subconscious or that, I'm not sure. What would you do with your time if you weren't coaching and you weren't pregnant or a mom? Um, I would probably just spend more time in my classroom because as a teacher, like if I'm racing off to practice right away when the school day's over, I hardly have time to do anything in my classroom. So um, things get put off or, you know, papers get stacked this high. And I'm like, oh, I could file those in the winter when I have an off season and I can stay here until 430. Or um, I think I would just, I don't know, put, put, not that I'm, I'm not saying I'm a bad teacher, but when you're coaching, you have time for school and then you have time to coach. And when you're not coaching, you have time for school. And then you have more time to say afterward if you want. But then I know in, in our culture today, it's like set boundaries, go home, leave the office, leave your work there and do your own thing. And I, I just, I don't know, maybe I could do more of my own thing. What would be your own thing? Um, I like spending time with my dog, taking her for walks. I like being outside just in nature. Um, when we can, I like to go on trips, vacation. My family is two States away. I like to visit them. Um, I like to go to the movies and, and go out to special events. If there's a concert or if there's whatever, that kind of fun stuff. Yeah. So I think like that is, you're right. It's a subconscious block, right? So I'm going to fill my plate until I have this. But you're going to have to empty your plate when you get it, right? Right. So let's start making room. That's like, if you want to get into like really crazy woo-woo stuff, that's what the universal laws, Right. So you, you need to start making room for what you want. Would you in your ideal life right now be coaching volleyball? Just simple question. Yes or no. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Could you do it with a baby? Um, I guess it depends on like how old that baby is. Like, (laughs) or is it, did I have it like 10 months ago? And it's almost one, like. (laughs) (laughs) okay so it brings you joy so okay what I would say is I don't think you have to give it up if it brings you joy what you probably need to do 
is just make sure that the stress of it isn't hindering your physical self. So that means um, if you know you have an away game three days before that, you got to prep. You're going to prep your lunches. So when you get home from that away game, all you come home to do is de-stress. You don't turn on the TV. You don't check papers. You don't check your phone. You come home. Hopefully you've eaten by already by then. And you maybe have a long shower, a hot bath, or you crawl into bed with a book or some meditation and you just decompose right and set your attention to like okay I know it's 11 o'clock but I'm going to instantly get into a zone of chilling out and recovering and going to sleep I think a lot of people miss the sleep aspect that it's so important because that's your body's time to recover from the day and detox and heal and so when you take that away from the body then you're just compiling. So maybe your life isn't this crazy, stressful, I hate my job situation, but it's still a lot on your body, right? And let's just say, because you have PCOS, unfortunately, you do have to live a certain way, right? I have an autoimmune issue. It's in remission. I don't have issues with it right now, but I only do that because I live a certain way right? I eat a certain way. I get to bed a certain way. I don't drink alcohol. You know, I don't live my old life, <laughs> basically. And over time, I've seen the benefits. Like my husband still likes that time of the evening where he he gets his own time to watch TV. And that was us. Like we've been together over 20 years and we would sit and watch TV. Well, like, that takes up like two hours of either decomposing, resting, recovering, or sleeping for me now. The TV shows are not that important. They don't outweigh me being able to wake up early enough to do the things I want to do, be a mom, run a business, be a wife, right? Like, so if you want to have a full packed day, you have to start making sure you're doing things to do that rest and recovery as much as possible. So whatever, you don't get to sleep till 11 o'clock every other week. That's no big deal, but make sure you're, you're setting those attentions where I'm not getting home and packing my lunch for the next day, picking out my clothes, doing paperwork, you know? So you're just gonna have to be a little bit more strategic with your time if you want to keep those things in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, that... And I like, it sounds like a puzzle, but I like puzzles. It's like, hmm, where can I improve to make this work better for me? Or yeah. what can I do differently to help myself rather than hinder myself? Yeah. So like, instead of um, like, say there's two nights out of your week during your volleyball season that you get to just come home and veg on the couch. Okay. Well, let's just take out, let's say it's four hours you have to, your, to yourself. So those four hours, two of those hours can be spent prepping for the rest of the week when you know you're not going to have that time. And then maybe an hour of watching TV and then you get to bed, whether that be, you know, you just get to a zone of like switching off, right? So it doesn't mean you have to be asleep by nine o'clock. You're just away from TV screens, your computer, your classwork, 
you know, and you're investing in your rest and recovery. So whatever that, what feels good to you, right? We're all different. Like you don't need to go and meditate for an hour before um, bed. Some people like that, but for you, maybe it's, it's just reading a book, right? And you haven't given yourself time to do that because you're too busy with these other things, right? But yeah, it's important to keep joy in your life. You know, a lot of people um, cut out things because they're like, well, it's too much because of this fertility aspect stuff. But those were the things that actually brought them happiness, right? And they're doing the things that they have to do in life. It's like, well, you don't have to do a lot of those things. Why don't you cut some of that shit out, bring the stuff that you like, and then, you know, start... It's the whole be, do, have aspect. You have to be the person that you want in the future now. You can't wait for it. Then you do the physical stuff to help make that happen, right? Like you can't win the lotto unless you go to the store and buy the fucking ticket, right? So you have to do something and then you have what you want. So it's really, like you say, like it's a puzzle. Like where can, how can I manipulate my life in better ways? to bring down those stress levels, have the rest and recovery time and still have everything that I want in my life. Cause it's doable. Is there aspects of your job that you feel like you can say no to, or you wish you can say no to more? Because I know teachers are pretty underappreciated, overworked, underpaid, all that stuff. Exactly. Um, I mean, I could take like, we're granted four personal days every year. So I could take a, a, another personal day, but sometimes it's like, ugh, it's just harder to make sub plans and get a substitute than it is to just be there and mm-hmm. do it myself. Cause I know the kids and I know what to teach and blah, blah, blah. So like even just taking more time for myself or um, even our, our lunch is only 25 minutes, which I hate, but even just sitting and being with myself in lunch, lunchtime, instead of trying to like, oh, let me just do this on my computer while I'm trying to eat too. Or let me just finish up this da 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 while I'm trying to eat. Like, now just like take that 25 minutes for yourself and just mm-hmm. sit and, and eat. So this is what I would say to especially teachers, but anyone in a job. And this is like entrepreneurs as well, right? Like we get in the same ruts of like, well, we have to do everything. We have this huge list and we need to check it off. And we're, if we're not showing up consistently, then we're not achieving or um, our students aren't going to achieve, or we're not going to attract clients or all those things. Right. Um, Which is like the complete opposite. So I guess it's building boundaries and saying no to things, but it's also releasing right like is it really going to be detrimental to your job or your student's education if you just draw the line in the sand somewhere right because we could always be overproducing and and that's great in some senses but that's like emptying your cup over and over and over again without filling it back up right So I would start focusing on places in your job that you can just draw the line and that, like you say, it, your students, if you're present for them, um, obviously are engaging in the classroom, that's all they care about, right? 
And obviously you got to meet some markers with tests and things like that. Um, but this whole overproducing or like, I saw this one teacher on TikTok and he was talking about how he loves his job, but he like, he doesn't spend any money on his classroom. He doesn't use any of his own money. And he's like, I'm not a bad teacher because I don't do that. And I don't let anyone make me feel that I am because I've set those boundaries for myself. Like if you want to do that, that's great, but don't feel that you have to buy those books in, you know, or you know, make your classroom look amazing every single year, you know, drawing those boundaries. Because I think especially here in America, like it's, it's really put on the teachers. And so it seems like you're a really confident teacher, you know what your students need, and make it an exciting experience for them. But start drawing lines in the sand for yourself. Like, I've met this requirement. And if it's not in my contract, I don't need to do that. Yeah, we've kind of gotten, or me personally, anyway, I've thought about, you know, do I need to make this every single day, every single lesson, this big show and dance? Or do I just need to figure out what the kids need, figure out what they like and just go from there and, and sometimes let them do some of the planning and teaching and, you know, it kind of, um, is a fun way for me to sit back a little bit and like let go of control that, that I'm going into my 11th year teaching. So like in the first few years, I'm like, it was more transactional. It was more like, okay, I need all this control. We're going to get through this, da, da, da. But now it's like, okay, let, let go of the reins a little bit. The kids can do more than you think they can and let them, you know, pitch in too. Yeah. And that's going to support their learning, right? When you learn by doing, instead of by just like sat there. Yeah, it's it's a massive transformation and it, it takes away so much pressure from yourself. And those can be like the little hidden things that are just blocking your journey, right? It's like, it might not feel, you know, I did another podcast discovery call and it was um, about, um, you know, how she had like a lot of miscarriages and it was like, have you taken time for yourself? She's like, well, I've got good support and my situation's not that bad. And I was like, okay, let's stop comparing for one because your situation is your personal situation and you might need more than you think you need and that's okay, right? And those little things are the things that might be blocking us in just being able to heal. Yeah. But um, I think you're on the right track. I definitely think you're on the right track. Um, I don't know if you've seen, I have a meal plan um, that might be a really good guidance. It's super high in protein. I like my meat, <laughs> but um, you can rearrange it for a vegetarian. But yeah, definitely focus on um, being really clean, being prepared and um, consistent right? Not perfect, consistent with what you need to do. Um, find your boundaries in your work, in your volleyball, and whatever else in your life that you maybe need to say. And just keep that joy in your life and keep doing the things that bring you joy. Because I is like, they say in manifestation, um, that it's the feeling, right? Like, so you, you, when let's say like money's the easiest one to talk about when you want money what feeling do you want from that money 
right? You don't want money to buy things. You really want money to, you know, have that time freedom to be able to do what you want to do. So uh, joy, I think, is the one of the strongest feelings that is connected to fertility because that's what you feel when you have a baby. You bring home a bundle of joy, right? So you have to bring things that bring you joy right now. So you're embodying that feeling of that joyfulness. And that's really, really important. And yeah, just tap into some of those subconscious links. I mean, we talk about that in the course and um, we're physical beings on a physical earth. We have to do the physical work, but the subconscious mind actually dictates what you physically do right? So you got to go back and figure out what those subconscious blocks are that aren't allowing you to get to bed when you know you should be getting to bed, aren't allowing you to eat the way you know you should be eating, right? So what are those? And sometimes they like literally have nothing to do with what you think they have, right? Like they're just like out there raising. And most of the time it comes from our childhood, right? So that's a really good place to, to look. Um, so yeah, do you have any other questions or concerns or anything you want to talk about? Um, just one thing in my research recently, I've been looking into like acupuncture. Mm -hmm. Do you have any like opinion or any knowledge on that, how it relates to fertility or I don't PCOS specifically? I've never done it before. Yeah. So acupuncture, reflexology, iridology, all those ologies um, are amazing support. So as long as you're doing the physical work you need to do by de-stressing, sleeping, diet, you know, all those things, um, they are there to be a supportive and they can be really supportive. Definitely hook up with someone who, um, who is more knowledgeable of PCOS and infertility or fertility. Um, it's just better to have that connection. Um, if you can't find someone like that in your area, sometimes I know it's really hard when you're like live in the woods, but, um, um, my best advice is if you go to that service and you just feel like you've walked in and you walked out and there wasn't a kind of like a spiritual or a physical emotional connection, it probably isn't going to do you the service that you're going there for it to do. It is a very spiritual practice. And even though there's that physical element of the pinpoints and stuff, connecting with that person and that service just elevates what it's actually there to do to support you. The way that acupuncture is actually used um, in the East is um, they have like open clinics. So people literally just go in like, 20 people go into this room and they get their acupuncture, right? Um, but for the most part, the way that it was set up, they weren't dealing with Western issues, right? So they used it as a form of um, supportive medicine. Like, so they don't go in like we do, like, oh, I have this element. Can you fix me? They go in, um, I lost the word, um, beforehand, before these issues happen. Um, so when we're using it in the Western world, most of us are using it to like, I have this issue. I need to do that. So it's a different kind of, you need to go in with, um, that emotional feeling, but yeah, it could be really, really supportive for sure. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've seen a little bit like 
in my own research or, you know, the people I follow on Instagram who are like in the fertility world or PCOS or whatever. And I'm like, okay, acupuncture, I've never thought about it before. I've heard of it, but it's like a little out there for my like self. So it'd be putting myself out of my comfort zone. But if it's, if it's something that would be beneficial, like I should just like grab the bull by its horns and try it out. Yeah. And I say with those practices too, is that for the most part, they get you laying on a table for at least 30 minutes. So if anything, you're like slowing the fuck down and you're getting that rest and recovery that you might not have allowed yourself to have before. Right. Right. So um, just connect with it. If you don't feel like you're connecting with it, then don't use it as like, well, like a supplement, like, well, maybe this is a supplement that's going to change it. Maybe this is going to be, it 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 doesn't really work like that. You've got to be invested for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to send you an email with, um, some links. I'm going to send you that book. If you haven't read it already by Claire, it's a really good book. Um, and what else did I write down? Yeah. Just some subconscious work that you can kind of start tapping into. Um, but I think you're on the right track. Okay. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you listening to me and, and I listen to your podcast. So it's cool to like talk to you in person. (laughs) Yeah, it is cool. I, I, I love doing lives. I love doing these types of podcasts. I mean, that's just where sets my soul on fire is like connecting with people and really helping them get to like the root cause of what's going on. Um, because yeah, I mean, there's a difference between listening to something and then actually getting your answers or your questions answered. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's that, you know, with, with my coaching and the group coaching, that's what we do. Like we answer questions, obviously the one-to-one is very more hands-on, but yeah, yourself or anyone else who just feels like they want that community or want someone to listen and answer their specific questions, definitely tap into a community it 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 just changes everything right because either you get the validation of where you were going in the first place because you might like your doctor or like people around you might be like you're you're going crazy this infertility is making you crazy doing all this stuff but it's like no this is what my intuition is telling me to do and I'm trying to follow it and um it's just nice to have that support behind you. Like, okay, I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> so yeah, you're on the right path. Definitely keep going. And once again, um, it's just time, time to heal, right? Time to make those changes. You're not a division one athlete anymore, even though I know it's probably so hard to give up, but you gotta, yeah. Um, and you know what is gonna be cool is, through your teaching and through your motherhood, you're going to be able to give these girls or boys, whoever you coach, the correct wisdom, not only within your sport, but within your health as well, right? So you can be there for them of like, okay, this is a time you can do this, but just have this knowledge in the back of your head that we'll have to switch it up when you hit 25, 30, you know, and then hopefully when they they have that little nugget of knowledge in the back of their brain, they're not going to be dealing with the issues that we dealt with when we, you know, so yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna help change lives in that way as well. Thanks. Yeah, my pleasure. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us. I am so grateful for you to come on. I really hope this has helped and I will send you that email and hopefully um, you can come back with some good news in a few months, maybe a year. I don't know how long the process will take, but yeah, I'm excited for you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time and thanks for listening to me. Yeah, no problem. Have a great night. Bye. If you feel called to discover what you personally need to do and are ready to have an intimate conversation, please go down to the show notes. There's a link there that you can book your own personal discovery call. Also, for your chance to book your own podcast discovery call, I do send out a email to my email subscribers every two months looking for new guests. So if you're not already on the email list, I highly suggest you sign up today. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.